Good morning. It's great being with you here this morning and to be able to share some thoughts on marriage as it relates to endurance. My husband, Ted, and I this year will be married for 35 years. Yay. But if you had seen us uh, during our first year of marriage, you would uh, really be scratching your head and wondering how we ever made it this far. You would have wondered how we were going to make it to our first year anniversary. The week before Ted and I got married... He called off our wedding, seven days before, the Saturday before. Um, he just got anxious about a bunch of things, and so the next morning we met, we met, and we were praying and talking about it, and, you know, we really loved each other, and we really did want to be married, so we decided, okay, we're going to go ahead with it. we got all these plans, you know, be ashamed to waste all that, so we went and got married. Three days into our honeymoon, all that anxiety came back, and he thought, what have I done? I have just made the biggest mistake of my life. And so the honeymoon wasn't all that great. Um, But over the next eight or nine months, it was a real struggle for us. And um, on top of this, I was a fairly new Christian. I had known the Lord for maybe about six or eight months at this point. And when we got back from our honeymoon... We were moving from Massachusetts, which is where I was from, and he was up there working down to South Florida the very next week. And so I was leaving everything I knew. I left behind family. I left behind friends. I left behind my job. I left behind familiar surroundings and moved to Key Biscayne where I did not know a soul. And we had this huge mess going on, and I really didn't know what to do. I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't want to talk to my family because they didn't know the Lord, and I didn't want to get their perspective on what was going on. So I learned to talk to Jesus, and that's what I did every day. I just sat and prayed and asked God to give me strength during this time, to comfort me during the very hurtful times that was going on, and to really bring our marriage together. By the time our first year anniversary came around, we were fine. <laughs> we kind of had this joke, well, we made it this far, how about we go another year? And every year, we, we, we kind of say that to each other, so this year we're going for number 35. <laughs> but when I was thinking about endurance, and uh, as it relates to really anything in life, but how we could talk, tie it into our marriages... I thought immediately of Hebrews 12, 1 to 7. And if you turn to the marriage moments page in your book, it's all written out, and we're just going to read it together because these are the scriptures I'm going to be referring to this morning. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My sons, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God God deals with you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? 
From these scriptures, I came up with six points that I'd like to share with you this morning. And the first point we're going to find in the first verse, and that is we're going to run the race. This is a race that we're on, and we need to know that we have, there is an end in sight. In the commentary section of my Bible regarding this portion of verse 1, it says, Like a runner, the Christian must be in constant motion toward the goal, despite opposition. This demands strenuous effort and endurance, which is learned from constant discipline. And I really like this explanation of endurance and running the race because it says we need to be in constant motion. This is something we need to be constantly working on. Despite opposition, opposition will come. There will be all kinds of distractions and things that, and pressures and stresses that will come into our marriages. So opposition will come. It demands strenuous effort. It's something we have to work hard at. It's not something that we should be taking lightly. And endurance, it's something that we need to realize we are in for the long haul, and it's learned from constant discipline. This is a discipline that we need to be involved with every day. This past spring, real women, our real women studied the Gospel of Luke. And um, in Luke 9.51, I think Jesus gives us a great example of this point that I'm trying to make. It says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, Luke has 24 chapters, and the author of this study pointed that out. This is only in chapter 9. Jesus still had a lot of ministry that he was going to do. He had a lot of teaching he was still going to give. He had parables and different people that he was going to interact with. But all the way back in chapter 9, not even halfway through the book, He has set his face to go to Jerusalem. He had a goal in mind. And as we studied the word each week, went through each chapter, the author would say, and he did this as he was on the road to Jerusalem. His goal was Jerusalem. Well, we have a goal, too, in our marriages. Each and every one of us, when we got married and we stood up before God, we said, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, until death does us part. That is our goal. Our goal is, yes, there's going to be a lot of living along the way. Yes, there is going to be some of that opposition that comes in. But we need to strive and try hard and do what we need to do and keep our eyes fixed on the goal till one or the other of us passes on. For our second point, I asked my husband what he thought was the most important factor for endurance in marriage. And it's interesting. Both he and I came up with the very same thought. And it's found in verse 2. It says, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Our relationship with the Lord has to be first and foremost in our life. Oftentimes when we think about order of relationships, when we are speaking to someone, or even when we're just thinking about how we really want it to be, we say we want the Lord to be first in our lives, and then our husband, and then our kids, and then maybe extended family or friends, and then we have work and ministry and other things that we are involved with. But if we're honest with ourselves, truly honest, when we're sitting in those quiet moments and we take a look at what we're spending our time on and what is consuming the bulk of our time, our order of priorities often looks more like this. Our kids come first. And I know with young kids, you know, that gets a little tricky and we do have to give them attention. But remember what we want it to be. We want the Lord to be first. But our kids, then oftentimes our husband, then maybe extended family, work, ministry, and then we come down to the Lord. 
when we're in Bible study and people will come, not to put a guilt trip on anyone that comes to Bible study and that if this has happened to you, but they'll say, you know, I just didn't have time to do my lesson this week. Well, if the Lord is first in your life and you want that relationship to be first in your life, you are going to find the time to get your Bible study done. That's going to be done in your time with the Lord. We, our church uses a personal worship model for um, helping us and encouraging us to get into God's Word, and I absolutely love it. It's something that prepares us for the sermon on Sunday, but it's more than that. It's a time where you spend a little bit of time each day looking over the passage that's going to be talked about on Sunday, but it, each day you're focusing on a different aspect of it. What am I learning on the first day? What do I learn new about God in the passage? Second day, what do I see that I can adore God? What are some of his attributes that I see in these passages? On the third day, what are some things that are convicting me? What are some changes that I need to make in light of the things that I'm seeing in here? And this doesn't matter if we're studying in the Old Testament, New Testament. There are always ways to glean things from God's word that we can apply to our lives. On on the fourth day, we're supposed to engage. We're supposed to look and see what can we do to apply what we're learning to our lives to make changes and to help us grow in this relationship with the Lord. And then we get to come back on Sunday and hear a sermon that gives us a whole new perspective of it. I love this model. And if if you go to Rio, I encourage you to do the personal worship. Make that a priority in your life. Every month, Vicki gives you 10 points, 10 scriptures to go over when you leave here. Ones that highlight and um, help to emphasize the character trait that she has spoken about that week. Take those scriptures home and look them up and learn them. These are things that will help you in, for say, this month endurance. I know she, she has them for you and she will give them to you. And just help continue to keep that in the forefront of your mind. Um, Didi Lominick has put together scripture packets that you can carry around with you. I brought a big box of hers, and she sells them. Um, and hopefully you guys, if any of you are interested, go back to that back table. Someone will be there to help you buy them. Here's one on marriage, okay? So if you're looking for some scripture verses just to kind of keep your marriage something that you can be praying about every day, pick one of these up. Um, she has one on peace. She has one on overcoming fear and many other topics It's just good to kind of slip in your purse, keep in your car, keep by your desk, something to go over when you just have a few minutes if you don't, you find that those are the only times that you can get alone with the Lord. Go back to that table and see what she has. We have other resources available for you, uh, real women does a study in the fall, spring, and the summer. We're going to be starting a summer study at the end of June that'll be on prayer. Would love for all of you to join us. It'll be on Monday nights. Um, there are other Bible studies. I mean, the opportunities are endless. Take advantage of the resources that you have to get into God's Word and make this a priority. Ted and I, we, he goes to BSF on Monday nights, and I have our Real Women Bible study, and we come home, and we're like two little kids. This is what I learned. And we just love doing this. We love coming together and just sharing with each other what we're learning from God's Word. And it's an exciting time. We're almost like, well, you learned that well. And, you know, and I learned this, and I learned this. And it's fun. It's fun to show, see what we're learning. And then when we talk about personal worship, when we're talking about that through the week, we just talk about some neat things that we see in the scriptures. That's another thing that you can add to your relationship, but also it's strengthening your relationship with the Lord. When difficulties come, and they will, not if, 
when they come. And they come in, in so many different ways. It can be, you know, our health. It can be, um, you know, finances. It can be a job. It can be our kids. It can be parents. It can be friends. You know, just different things going on in your lives. When difficulties come, when you have strengthened your relationship with the Lord, it is a tremendous resource and help to you as you go through these difficult times. So, point number three. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you do not grow weary or faint-hearted. Under this section, I put communication. And you may think, now that's weird. That doesn't seem to add up. But bear with me for a second. We can get so busy and so involved with our kids um, that we're just too tired at the end of the day. We're too tired at the beginning of the day. We wake up tired. That communication is just hard. Okay, I mean, I, I think you all know what I'm talking about. Okay, I remember. I mean, it's been a few years, but I do remember, it, you know, what it's like. And that can suffer very quickly. Sometimes our relationship and our communication skills have become so strained that one little thing can set you off and off you go. You know, and sometimes you think, well, why bother? You know, we're just going to end up fighting. Why should I even try? Do not grow weary or faint-hearted as you work on your communication and you work on your relationships. We need to really learn to listen and not just hear words. You know, Ted would say things in a certain way, and I would hear them in a different way. And then when he would say it, and I heard it in a way that, you know, I heard it, I would get angry and kind of close up and not say anything, and he'd say, are you okay? I'm fine, which I wasn't, you know? So what I learned to do is say, you know, when you say things in a certain, in, a, in this way, this is what I heard. And he would say, no, no, that's not what I meant at all. And so it's a good thing to be able, to, rather than just get your feelings hurt and kind of go off in a corner and sulk, to be able to talk about it. Say, you know, when you say it in this way, this hurts me in this way, and it's a good thing for him. In fact, not about a week, maybe two weeks ago, he was telling me something, and he was frustrated just because of stress of other things. But the way the tone of his voice would have been something that would have bothered me in the past. And he came, he left the room, and he came back, and he says, "Listen, I just want you to know that when I was explaining that to you, I wasn't frustrated with you. It's just a lot of stress that I'm under, and I just wanted you to know that." I literally almost started crying. I thought, isn't that wonderful? He already knows that that was something that would have bothered me in the past. And for me, I already knew that about him. So when you're able to talk about it and say, listen, this is what I feel when you say things in a certain way, it truly helps your communication. Sometimes we listen to respond rather than actually listening to what the other person has to say. Like he may be telling me something. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, i got to get this point in. We need to stop. And just listen. You know, listen to what they're saying. Do not grow weary in working on your relationship. Even if you're physically tired, and, and I know it can be hard at times, do not grow weary. Other than your relationship with the Lord, which we have already talked about, your relationship with your husband has to be number one in your life. Point number four, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Learn to say, I'm sorry. Learn to say, will you forgive me? Learn to forgive even before you're asked to forgive. Do not hold grudges. And when you get in a disagreement, don't bring up all that stuff that happened before because you've already forgiven that. 
Do not say you always or you never, because that's not true. It's an exaggeration you're trying to use to make a point, but it's something that when that is said to me, it just sets me off. Don't do that. Be humble. Try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Uh, about a month ago, Ted and I were going to an event, and I had come home. I was uh, getting the food ready that I needed to bring to it, and he had come home from work early because he was leading uh, a leaders' meeting at a uh, Bible study that he's involved with, and he had some final touches that he needed to do, and he was on the computer typing, those of us who are computer-challenged, not Hannah, who's <laughs> really good at that, but, you know, he's a little bit worse than me, and he asked me to fi- you know, try and fix something that he did, and when I went to fix it, fix it, I accidentally deleted everything. And so there he was. We're trying to get ready to go out. He's trying to put the finishing touches on his talk. He was preparing an overhead that was that he had a print on a on a thing. And he just went, What did you do? you know, and kind of went on a little bit like that, which totally bothered me because I was trying to help. I didn't mean to do this. And so um he said, I need you to get this set up for me. And I said, Not you say you're sorry. And he said, I'm not saying I'm sorry, and you need to get this set up. So I thought, oh, all right, everyone, stop. Okay, I got it set up. Went in the kitchen, got him, you know, started on his thing so he could retype everything. Went in, finished uh, doing everything, and I thought to myself, I know he's going to come and apologize. And when he does, I am going to let him have it. Okay? So we went to our event, came home. Things had settled down, but we really hadn't talked about what had happened between us. And so the next morning he got up, and he left about 5.30 to go to his Bible study. And I just kind of sat, got up, and I was praying. I was praying for him in the study and that, you know, just different things about what he needed to do there. And then I started thinking about the day before. And I thought about, you know, the pressure that he had from work, and he was trying to get home in time to get this thing typed. And I started praying about that and how he had gotten it to a point of almost being ready to print out. And then I just lost everything accidentally and how that would frustrate me too. And how we were trying so hard to get together to go to an event that was what he was going to for me and with me, I, I literally started laughing. And I thought, you know, Lord, I, have already, I already forgive him. I already forgive him. I just was able to see it in a different light. So after his Bible study, he came home, and he's like, I'm so sorry. And I said, you know, I've already forgiven you. This is something that I've already prayed about, Ted. And we sat down and had a great discussion about it. God gives us his spirit to convict. We find that in John 16, 8. To teach. We find that in John 14, 26. And to guide. We find that in John 16, 13, among other things. We need to learn to listen and hear the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit and then respond to it. The Lord disciplines those he loves, and oftentimes he will let us know when we've done something. When we're spending time with him and we hear that little voice or we feel something and know that, you know, feel we start feeling bad about something, we need to learn to respond to it. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us and telling us, you know, you messed up here. The Lord disciplines those he loves. Point number five, the Lord is treating you as sons. As parents, we understand that there are lessons that we want our kids to learn. Well, God has lessons for us to learn also. In 1 Peter 2.21, it says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Jesus gave us an example. He gave us his word. He gave us this tremendous resource to learn the lessons that he wants us to learn. 
we need to take advantage of it. We are so fortunate in this day and age with, you know, things online and you can, you know, I'd be in a Bible study and mention a verse and before I could find the reference, people have it on their phone, they got it up and here it is. And the technology is amazing. It's never probably been easier or harder at the same time to be able to do this, but spend that time because God has lessons for us to learn. Um, as parents, especially, you know, it seems things are getting busier and busier. There are so many things that we want our kids to learn that we get them involved in a lot of things. They have school, then they have sports, then they might have, you know, uh, tennis lessons and gymnastics and um, uh, uh, ballet and piano and, what you know, so many myriad of things. You all know your kids are probably involved with a lot of them. And not they're not bad things, don't get me wrong. All very good things, but... When they are causing stress on your marriage, when you're, you find yourself, okay, you go pick this child up, I'll bring this kid here, you're not having dinners together, you're constantly never having a minute alone with each other because you're shuffling one child or another to another event, you need to stop, you need to step back, and you need to reevaluate what you're doing in your life. If you're, there are times when we feel like we need to get our kids so many things and we're buying them so many things and it's not bad to buy our children gifts. But when that causes stress in finances, when it causes stress in your marriage, you need to step back and you need to reevaluate. I've heard it said that the best gift that we can give our children is a strong marriage. So while we're so concerned about teaching them Uh, you know, having all these lessons and bringing them to all these places or being involved in, in buying them all these things, realize that the best gift that you can give them is a strong marriage. Have that be first and foremost. And don't let all those other activities crowd out the time that you need to spend working on your marriage. Uh, Greg Smalley, who spoke at our marriage retreat last year, said the first way to make your child feel secure is to have a healthy marriage. So consider that that is something that needs to be a priority in your life. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, not in our own strength, not by power, not in our own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He did not leave us here on our own to accomplish the things he wants us to do. He has given us the Holy Spirit to help us along the way. And you can see from some of those verses that I've already shared with you, you can go home and look up uh, a reference for the Holy Spirit and see how many other ways he intercedes for us and causes us to remember things and so many other things that God has given us that we have to be able to do this thing called life and in our marriages we're not left on our own. Last week I was with um, an aunt and uncle that have have been married for over 60 years and my uncle told me you know we're lucky we enjoy being with each other and I thought that was really really neat. Um, We need to enjoy each other. We need to find common interests Uh, It may be sports, watching them or participating in them, or board games or cards or travel or gardening or cooking. or There are so many things, books you like to read. Find some common interests. Find some time to do them together, even if it's just going on for walks, you know, at at some point on the beach, you know. Find the time to enjoy and spending time in common interests, things that you can do together. I was thinking about my aunt and uncle, and I thought, well, they've been married six years. I've been married for 35, you know. Another 25 years I still have. We've been empty empty nesters for about six years now. So when I really started looking at it, yeah, another 25 to that, we're going to be on our own as a couple far longer than we were as a, a couple raising kids. 
that our relationship needs to be worked on now. Don't wait until your kids leave and you think, I finally have the time to do it. It needs to be something that you're working on every day. Um, okay, so for point number six, we're going to go back to verse one. Surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. And I thought there were two lessons that we can take from this. First one, others will look to us. In the Christian and non-Christian community, those people that know that you're a Christian, they are looking to you. I've heard this saying, and you may have heard it also, that you may be the only Bible that some people ever read. We need to not simply talk to the talk. We need to learn to walk the walk. People are watching us, and they're looking to see if our actions match our words. We need to make sure that they are. And it's one reason why so many of us are brokenhearted when we see a prominent leader in our community fall in the way that he did, because he is an example to others. So many look towards him. And if it can happen to him, it can happen to any of us. We need to, this has to be something that we keep before us on a daily basis. But the second thing that we can learn from this, not only are we, do we have other people watching us, but we also can be um, someone that can help others. In Titus 2, 3, and 4, and this is a little summary of those two verses, it says, um, older women may encourage the younger women to love their husbands. Last year, last fall, we had a marriage retreat, and one of the emphasis of it was to develop some mentor couples, our marriage mentors, people that have been married around a little bit longer, like my husband and I and others, that could help mentor younger couples who are new and who have just come along in their marriages. Um, and I was really surprised to see the younger people reach out those that followed through and desired to talk to someone. Here, we have mentor moms available every week. We have them here for you to talk to, that they'll pray with you. And and if you go to someone, you, you see a couple that you'd like to have mentor you, or you go to a mentor mom, it doesn't mean that your marriage is in trouble. You know, oh gosh, I'm, I don't want people to think that my marriage is in trouble. And even if it is, it's okay. Go and talk to someone. Don't try and do this on your own. We're not here... Um, doing life on our own. God has given us resources, but he's also put people in our lives that can help us through these difficult times. Um, as Before I close, I just wanted to speak to those of you who may be struggling right now. And I'm sure there are some in the room. I mean, we had ours the first year. There are times when we all have difficult times in our marriages. And I wanted to share a couple of verses with you. The first one is found in Luke one thirty-seven, and it's, there are other points in the Bible that says the same thing. For nothing is impossible with the Lord. You may think, oh, this situation is bleak. It isn't. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. Nothing is, nothing is impossible with the Lord. Okay? And then the second one is found in Joel 2.25. I know mine is a little bit different than what's written up there, but it says, then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. And I think that's a perfect example of what went on in our first year of marriage, that um, we had this real difficult time. And as I look back on that time, and I, I look back on it, and I have a very... Um, I have all good thoughts about it. I have no resentment. Never did. Because I saw a wonderful thing that God did with me in my relationship with him during that difficult time. He can make up for you, to you in a strong relationship for whatever difficulties that you are going through right now. So we had a rough beginning. We're going to be celebrating 35 years. 
we're going on a trip, we're go- and I know it's going to be a wonderful time. The other night, Ted and I were talking about encouragement and thinking on Jesus' words that are found in Matthew twenty-five, twenty-one: Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we're going to hear at the end of this race. That's what we're going to hear when one or the other of us dies and are standing before the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Thank you.